the fact that I learned so much and that I want to learn so much and that I actually take advice from people allows allows me to do now at 22 what a lot of people fail to do by the time they're 45, 50, you know. So learning is probably your biggest asset, your biggest tool that you can use to better yourself. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? My name is Gray, and this is another episode of the Gray F Podcast. I have to apologize first for my voice. I got a flu right now, so I'm not even going to talk much here. Uh, but the Gray F Podcast is where curious minds, entrepreneurs, daredevils, hustlers, and problem solvers converge. Each episode, I have a guest uh, from a different walk of life or industry, whether it's tech innovators, business leaders, we explore their failures, successes, and most importantly, we're trying to find lessons that aspiring achievers can draw on. So it's all about learning and greatness. So I hope you get inspired. And for some of you know that I work in film sometimes. Um, so it happens that I'm working on a very difficult project, but it's interesting at the same time. It's a feature film, but it also happens that just two days after I started working on it, I felt sick uh, with the flu. So I'm trying so hard to get rid of this flu, trying to you know mix all the remedies just so that I can get back on the project since the deadline is this coming Wednesday. And you know I like to deliver before deadline, at least a day before deadline. And that seems like it's not going to happen this time. But you know it just come full circle as a reminder to me that well I have to be taking care of my body a lot more because if it fails, if my body fails, then everything else stops. Like this is, you know, and if it does, for example, in this uh, in this situation, it's a very big fuck up, you know. So it will mess up my hustle, and I need to be up all the time uh, in terms of active. So I hope um, this gets to pass as quick as it can, that I can get back to hustling again. And uh, today we have a very exciting guest, um, a very young entrepreneur from Cape Town, South Africa. That's Carl Vasaki. So this episode is very interesting to me for a number of reasons. Number one being, Carl is a young guy, relatively, but he has managed to start his own thing at such an early age, uh, which is something that most people wouldn't be able to do. And he, from listening to the podcast, you'll be able to tell how much uh, self-work or self-development he has managed to do on his own without um, any kind of pressure from uh, external forces or something like that. So to me, that's inspiring. And he's quite a confident guy. I mean, by doing such uh, amazing things, he has built his self-confidence, which is definitely important for entrepreneurs out there. So as far as what we spoke about, number one, we started with Kinect Me, which is his product uh, or the product of the startup. And then we went into his story, how he got started and major turning points in his life, uh, motivation. I mean, books he has read or he continued to read. And we also jumped on education, uh, whether one should go to college or not, which is kind of a, a topic in the uh, in the startup world or in the entrepreneurial world a little bit and we touched on self-awareness obviously and we talk about choosing careers and his goals after this because to me uh, this startup looks 
quite promising. So we speak about hustle all the time in this podcast, and this is a very good example of it. We even went into the details on how he managed to get funding, which is a very important subject for entrepreneurs out there and all other important business lessons. So I hope you pick up something from his story or his experiences. What I personally learned from Carr is confidence. He's a very, very confident guy, and I hope you guys pick that up from him as well. And uh, as always, just remember to subscribe to the podcast or leave a review. If you have something to say, you can always draw, draw it in the comments. And with my ugly little voice of flu, I'm going to have to leave you to it. Enjoy my conversation with Carl Vesachi. So okay. I was saying the average 22-year-old is, um, you know, in high school or, well, not in high school anymore, <laughs> but in university or still trying to find themselves at the club and stuff like that. But you're running your own startup. Just explain what's going on. Yeah, well, basically, um, you know, I still go to the club and stuff with my friends, mm. but um, I always thought that I was going to take a different path, you know, mm. um, in whatever I did. Um, a large part of the motivation for me was you know, money. Um, mm. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. Mm. And uh, we had a really good family environment, but we, we struggled a lot. Mm. So for me, you know, my emotional needs were met, but my financial needs weren't. So that that's one of the biggest motivations for me to succeed. And, um, you know, I've been trading for a while, stocks, forex, those kind of things. Right. And eventually I came across startups. Um, you know, I thought, okay, why not? It's a, it potential for a huge amount of growth can uh, build quite a quite a fortune for myself through startups and mm. that's eventually how I got into it um, you know we I started out with a basic app and web development company and from there it kind of grew the one day I had an idea for connect me mm. and uh, I kind of just dropped everything I'm like you know I'm not going to design websites anymore yeah. let me go to to this and start start this uh, so uh, before we get into anything else, just explain exactly what Connect Me is. Okay, so Connect Me is a proximity-based business networking tool. Um, it's it's a mobile application meant to give entrepreneurs the upper hand in networking. You know, identify targets before you even meet them. So for us, well, for me, the biggest issue was meeting people who can um, actually push my business forward and you know help me. Um, I didn't have that kind of support system going into it. So I developed Connect Me with the idea that being able to go into a, a restaurant or the airport or an event and seeing exactly what everyone else does around you, their professional profile, um, would give you the upper hand. You would be able to talk to exactly who you want, you know, within a very, if you have limited time, it benefits you hugely because as opposed to talking to 10 people wasting your time, you could identify the two people that you would actually benefit from mm. before you even talk to them. And it also facilitates that face-to-face that -face connection, that hand-to-hand, -hand. you know, you, you go, you shake the person's hand and you introduce yourself. It has a, a, a longer-lasting effect than sending them a LinkedIn message or an or a email yes. out of nowhere. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the, that, that's what I was thinking for Connect Me, creating a tool for entrepreneurs to grow their network. Sure. So there, it touched on a few points in my head right now. So, first one would be, does. So if I'm I'm at the airport, sure, right? Does it give access to everyone 
just to hit, hit on me if they want to or how does it work? So ideally when you put Connect Me on, you're giving permission mm. for people to discover you. Yeah. Um, there's, no, there's no hidden discovery mm. so, you, so that you, you know it's obviously fair, fair use to everyone. When you enter Connect Me, you're giving permission to the app mm. to, for you to be discovered and for you to discover other people. Sure. Basically. So, but you can turn it on and off? Uh, yeah, you can turn it on and off. Currently, we use Bluetooth and Wi-Fi Direct, um, but you can turn off scanning on Connect Me. Um, okay. if you, 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 enable, you can enable it to scan in the background as well and notify you when there's other users around you, mm. but you can just turn it off. Turn off the Bluetooth, the app won't scan anymore, right. essentially. Okay, that's clever. So... Oh, let's just move into the beginning of the startup itself. You said you were trading stocks, yeah. And then, did you ever like encounter the, uh, a challenge in terms of networking where you're like, "Oh man," um, but what, what was the what led into the idea itself? Um, it was it was actually when I was doing the web and app design. Mm. I was doing design for friends and family, mm. and you know, I wanted to none of my friends or family were doing what I was doing. Mm. I couldn't go to them for help. I couldn't go to them for advice, that mm. kind of thing. So the the idea, it actually just came to me, you know, and we, we kind of nurtured it and grew it after that. It, it, there was no specific reason that I got the idea. It, mm. it was just there and I thought, wow, okay, this could work, Yeah. Um, basically. And then I moved it forward immediately. Okay, uh, and you when you move, you uh, move from trading stocks, yeah. to now running the company like what was the transition like I guess it's not just as easy so basically I was trading I was trading while I was in school um, forex stocks where, I was doing bitcoins um, I was in Kuro Longaban for the last three years mm. or four years of high school um, before that I lived in Ireland mm. um, but yeah w- while I was in school you know I had a lot of spare time I wasn't really studying I was mm. playing games that kind of thing uh, so Obviously, I was thinking, okay, let me make some spare money. Mm. So it, it, I was trading stocks as well as, you know, th- there's this game called Minecraft. Yeah. And I used to play it a lot. Um, so essentially, it led to this idea. I got really good at it where I would build things for people and then mm. sell them the map. Oh, really? Like, just to make some spare cash. So you're like a, a pro Minecrafter. I don't think you could call it pro, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that game doesn't really have tiers of skill. It's more um, if you're creative, you can get away with it, or if you can follow a blueprint, basically. Right. So um, yeah, that's that's what I did at the beginning. Obviously, it was risk free. I was living mm-hmm. with my parents yeah. with the, with the trading, especially. I would be like, I would lose. I would take the huge risks, um, and I would lose quite a bit, but it wouldn't matter, you know. Yeah. I was uh, I was seventeen, I think, when I finished matric, and when I had to mm-hmm. go live on my own to study, and um, then I started taking a bit less less risks. Yeah. But while I was in school, it was easy going, you know. Um, you rely on your parents for for food and shelter, so yeah. you can take the risks. Pretty much, yeah. basically. Um, how? On a scale of one to ten, how have you minimized risk to this day? Like as compared to when you was in high school. Uh, in regards to trading or no, anything else? Oh, everything. Um, I actually think before I make decisions. Mm. Uh, that that's probably one of the biggest ones. I identify anything that could go wrong, and mm. I still take the risks. I mean, um, but this time I will have a backup plan for the risks yeah. I take. Essentially. So, but what would you not do today that you would have probably done? Well. Um, there's a there's a couple of trades I remember that actually hit me pretty hard. Um, yeah, I would not go back into those. <laughs> right. 
So, how did you get like your? You have co-founders. Ah uh, yes. Right. How did you get those? And like, what? You're the founder who actually had the idea, the entrepreneur. Yes. And how did you get the uh, co-founders? How did you get a development team? How did you impress them? Did you pay them with equity or cash? Or how did you set up? You have a nice office here. So how did all this just come together? So basically, I went to a recruitment agency um, to look for a developer. Mm. Originally, it was meant to be just a developer for the app. It wasn't going to grow into anything else. Mm. Just a developer. Oh, but did, did you have like cash to pay the next person? Not in? yet. I was going to find a developer, see mm. if they're interested, mm. offer them equity, and if possible, get an investor based off of the fact that I had a developer. Oh, okay. So I didn't have either. So I had investors on standby mm. s- to meet with me, and I told them uh, I kept pushing the meetings out until I had a developer. Mm. So I'm like, just wait, just wait. Then I went to find a developer, um, and I found the first one, Fibion. Mm. Um, and he was he loved the idea straight off the bat he mm. loved it and after that I went back to the investors and said listen um, let's let's meet tomorrow mm. and then I told them no I've had a design team ready for a while we're in a rush let's let's go you know um, so then we we paid for the then we started paying salaries at the beginning I offered Fibiona just a regular salary as mm. a developer obviously I didn't know him back then yeah that that's uh, from the investors money yeah and then with with potential for equity mm. if he were to um, basically be invaluable to the company which he has become yeah. so after that you know the relationship between myself and Fibion grew and uh, he actually became a almost like a co-founder he is my business partner sure. but he still handles the tech side of things and I handle well, everything else mm. um, yeah and from there we just hired another developer for the iOS version and um, that's actually how the team got basically interesting so how how many bad developers did you have to go through to actually get to the one that you he was the first one he oh, really? um, so I went to the recruitment agency and I told them I'm like listen I need someone who's got experience someone who can do this quickly and I think it was the same day or the next day that they said oh we got someone for you I'm like okay set up the meeting mm-hmm. within 20 meet- minutes I was having the meeting with him yeah. and uh, we just moved forward from there it was uh, he was actually the first one that I in- ever interviewed for for connect me <laughs> Awesome. And um, how did you find those investors who were like so quick to put in? Why did they trust in you? Was it, are, are those people you know? Or? Um, so they, they, I settled with people I knew. Mm. I had, well, basically I had two South African-based VCs, um, more like private investors and not really VCs. Mm. They were very interested in, in Connect Me and giving me money for it, basically. Oh, was it you or was the idea? Um, I think it's a bit of both. When when you invest in a company, you invest in the entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, but the idea has to obviously be good and it has to be scalable and mm. potential to actually make money back for the sure. investors. But the main part would be the entrepreneur. So I must have impressed them somehow. Uh, have they <laughs> been following you before that? They uh, no, I was no one before. before <laughs> it. <laughs> it was literally... You know, yeah, I was I was just another, another guy making some money trading and... Mm playing too many games and you know I was still a student um, yeah. I've recently I've since dropped out mm. but I was still a student back then and um, I was no one to them I, I was just this guy I told them I'm like listen I'm not going to send you a CV I'm not gonna, I don't have any of that mm. let me meet you and then you can decide basically so and then also who eventually um, ended up investing were um, two overseas-based investors. Mm. Now, I I know them from a while back from Ireland. Um, 
I actually used to work with my dad mm. back in Ireland and I reached out to them I knew okay these guys were well off I'm like listen I've got this idea you know you know me mm. can let's do something because I trust them I know I've got history with them yeah. so I ended up going with them basically and for how long has this been going on um connect me's idea I conceived the idea April last year. Mm. We only started development in August. Did you move fast? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we only started development in August because I actually, I spent that, that much time looking for developers, looking mm. for investors, that kind of thing. So it was two, three months of looking for backers. Mm. August we started and um, now we launched this year in April. But it was, it was more like a soft launch. The app is available, but mm. we hadn't started marketing it yet. Um, so now we're at the point where we've we finally started going to our first few events mm-hmm. um, Google Startup Grind being one of them here in Cape Town and um, after that you know our plan is to expand to more events and eventually move to things like airports restaurants mm-hmm. you know the thing with the app is you can't you can't download it while you're lying in bed at home because you're not going to find anyone because it's so proximity based so we figured let's let's go through events until we have a huge user base until people actually use it in public mm-hmm. and then we then we start marketing to the general public for now sure. it's targeted yeah. so yeah until it's been a little over a year that I've had the idea but uh, we've only been working on under a year um, nine months that we've been working on it so it's obviously people who already have the drive to actually look at next people and you know they know what they're doing out there it's not yeah. just like download and expect the app to do anything if you the thing is the app can do everything for you um, it's it's designed for people who wish to connect yes yeah. definitely mm. but also people who you know who are a bit more shy I, I'll yes. walk up to anyone and say hi how are you doing and then introduce sure. myself but I'm the opposite it, yeah <laughs> so for you the app could be like an icebreaker you can mm. scan and say oh look I found you on connect me Um, so that's the idea behind that. So can you text first before you um, actually meet them? No, we don't want to have a messaging function mm. for the fact that, that I mentioned earlier. We want people to actually connect again. Um, mm. s- simply put, people react better if, you, if it's face-to-face. Eventually, mm. maybe we'll put a messaging function in if people really want it. Mm. But the idea is purely to get that hang- handshake going and that introduction, sure. that old-school introduction that actually gets you so much further that's, than, yeah, that's cool. than the... Uh, LinkedIn messaging mm. um, you know I've got I've got a small story basically last year October I went to London mm. um, now I was there for an app conference and I wanted to see what everyone else was doing in the space that kind of thing and the one day I get back to the hotel after my conference um, it's my second last day and I see there's a, a Brexit conference at the hotel mm. and one of the speakers is actually one of the managing partners of Deloitte South Africa so you know I sent I see okay this guy's South African maybe I'll reply I sent him a LinkedIn message hope and hope he replied to that because I couldn't obviously couldn't find him in the hotel it's a huge hope when you exactly. message someone on LinkedIn yeah. see we're, we're, so that, that part there I w- I'm taking out that risk completely yeah. if he didn't reply I wouldn't be where we are with, the, with him now you know yeah. um, so I sent him a message He replied that we had breakfast, you know, just that chance. And it, it led to us going into talks with Lloyd regarding a potential partnership, that kind of thing. So it opened a couple of doors for us. Now, just thinking back on it, I was at the airport with this guy. Mm. I was on the same flight as this guy. 
I've seen him in the lobby maybe three or four times. I saw him in the when we were having breakfast. I may have walked past him in London while we were there as well. Yeah. And, you know, I never introduced myself. And I was leaving everything up to chance to the fact that he may or may not read that LinkedIn message. Yeah. So the app kind of takes that away. I would have seen, oh, wow, okay, this is the guy. Let me go meet him. Right. But how does it prove that it's him? How do you, do you see a picture or? Yes. Um, so basically... You, you scan and then you see a picture, um, whatever they upload, and as well as their name and their headline, which is their the description of what they do, you know, mm. CEO at XXX, developer, etc., etc. So um, that's, that's how you see it, and you'll see it in the list for you. Mm. Once you click on it, picture gets bigger, you see their full profile. Yeah. Very similar to a LinkedIn type setup. Mm. They can at- and they can attach their CV to their profile, they can attach their portfolio, you know, anything they want basically and even a link to the LinkedIn profile you know you can you can see um, if it's verified or not you can literally you can find out anything that they want you to find out about their professional identity basically because for someone like myself and you as well who goes to a lot of events te- you know entrepreneur events it's very hard to know who is who and who, who you want to speak to especially yeah. of, of course we have name tags but what does the name tell you just like no. the name uh, I remember on the previous startup grant, I was um, hoping to meet the founder of Payfast. Okay. To chat about some um, cryptocurrency stuff. Yeah. But I couldn't find him because I knew he was there. I've never seen his face before. But you can't exactly go around yeah, looking yeah. at people's exactly. data tags and that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the things yeah. you know you um, you kind of leave it to chance. Mm. Um, that's that's a, that's a problem that we face with networking. Also the thing is if you're sitting on the airport for example and there's there's 50 people in suits around you you're like okay mm-hmm. wow you know which one do I talk to yeah and you've you've got 10 minutes you can only talk to two of them which ones do you choose it's like a lottery mm. um, so connect me kind of removes that chance so I'm curious to know how you made the jump from well you being in high school doing your thing and then you moved into business yeah didn't the business world intimidate you a little bit or how did you learn all the basics um the thing is like uh, i always knew the basics Mm. it's you know some people are good at drawing some people are good at sport Mm. because they've got an instinct for it i always knew the basics Mm. um you know whether i built on that and nurtured it Mm. and actually started reading that would have been made or break um, broke me back then mm. which I did so but the thing is I didn't jump straight into it after school you know mm. after school I was a bit I was really confused you know I finished matric when I was 17 mm. I finished um, when I was 16 so, yeah, yeah exactly so you, you don't know what you want to do with your life mm. um, so I went to study for a year and, um CTI mm. in Durbanville I, I knew that I didn't want to study yeah. uh, it wasn't for me you know if anything I'm more of a kind of doing person but mm. I also didn't want to learn a craft or anything like that so I was a bit confused after that I went I went straight to play rugby in Ireland um, I went to play for Munsters under 21s mm. and then I got injured and I decided you know th- this was like, like a month in I, yeah. I went for a oh, month really? and I, I and I got injured so were you like that good in rugby? yeah I was uh, I wouldn't say that I was one of the best I wasn't going to be springbok quality uh, but I was I could have played it professionally for a couple of years right. if I really worked hard but you know, the injury really kind of put me back off the path. And I thought, oh, what now? You know, yeah. so I came back to South Africa. Then I thought, okay, what do I do now? I sat at home for like a month. Mm. You know, I was making some money again, trading, um, making sure I could eat. Mm. Um, and 
basically then I thought, okay, what's what's good at the moment? Uh, what's a high paying job that doesn't require too much studying? So I thought oil rigs. Yeah. Went to do my studying for the oil rigs, that kind of thing. <laughs> how did you get how what where did that idea come from? Um well we had my friend's par- uh, dad worked on the Oryx and mm. he seemed to have a lot of money. So I thought, okay, <laughs> you know, let's copy him. <laughs> so money is kind of a, a driver. It's a big right? motivator, yeah. you know, um, that and being perceived as successful mm. in the business world. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a real accomplishment when you mm. can actually say, I've got a post-revenue business that actually runs itself. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's more valuable than saying, oh, I have a degree, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, so for me, that it is a big motivator in my life, as I said before, because of personal reasons. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought, okay, let's go to oil rigs. And then the oil crashed. That was around the time that the oil price crashed. And they weren't hiring people anymore. So something was pushing me away from everything, everything else that I wanted yeah. to do. <laughs> and then, I thought, then once again, another month sitting at home, like, okay, Carl, you know, make a plan. Um, so I started a development app and web development company with, mm. with my friend from rugby. Um, you know, we, we just started off doing some websites, some apps, mm. um, very basic, terrible, terrible apps. Um, but you got, got paid for it. <laughs> yeah, we got paid. So cool. it's fine. Yeah, that's what so, so we lived off of that for a couple of months. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we had one or two bad pro- projects that went bad. Um, because of the developers we were using weren't very reliable. Mm. Um, they they actually caused a lot of issues for us. And obviously, I was the one going to meetings, so I would I would get yelled at every every week. When How we old did were the you then? I was twenty one. Mm. Yeah, about 20, 21, 22. Yeah. No, no, actually twenty twenty one. Sorry. Yeah. This was two years ago, and um, you know that it. I, I learned a lot from those lessons. You know. Um, but the people that we actually ended up, we worked for back then, you know, the guys over at, um, okay, well, don't really want to say, but mm. they ended up being my my business mentor in a way, one of my business mentors. Mm. Um, they wanted to help me because they could see that, that we were trying and mm. trying to do something else. So they ended up teaching me a lot. Um, and then, you know, with, with that app company, we kind of, we let it go. When I got the idea for Connect Me, I'm like, okay, listen, um, you can do what you want. You can continue with the company, yeah. but this is what I'm going to do now. And then, you know, I left everything else and started with Connect Me. How do you deal with all these the business mechanics, accounting, and all these kind of things? Uh, so, because you have people, yeah, looking up and like you know, your investors. And- uh, accounting we outsource mm. um, because it's it's cheaper than hiring a full time accountant. But sure. we, we do outsource. Family member of mine is an accountant, so I said, okay, listen, you know, I Keep need some help. Family. Uh, yeah, so I need I need some help. Sure. Give me a hand here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, social media, we outsource as well because it's a lot of work. Yeah. Editing photos, posting them, that kind of thing. I mm-hmm. really, I don't have time to do that kind of thing mm-hmm. all day. Um, so we outsource that. And um, yeah, other than that, I handle pretty much everything else. The And our PR and marketing is done by a company in Cape Town um, called Butterknife PR. Sure. And uh, they're doing a fantastic job for us. Uh, we'll we'll start seeing the the effects of that campaign within the next two three months. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we outsource quite a lot, but I prefer to do everything that I can actually have that I have the time to do, mm. um, you know, or at least be involved in every process somehow, just to make sure everything goes smoothly. So what can can you not outsource? Um, you just feel I mean there are a couple of things that I outsource myself, but there are some things that are a little bit remedial, but. I just prefer to do them myself. Sometimes. So technical 
de- the development side of things, hundred percent can't outsource that. Mm. Um, you know, you you really want you really want control of the entire design process because the amount of times we made changes to this yeah. app while we were developing, mm. um, you know, companies that you outsource to. You know those those Indian development companies that contact you on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. you, we have seen your website. And <laughs> exactly. Um, you you send them a you send them a description, then they do it exactly like that. But then mm. when you want to make changes, oh oh, you need to pay. Yeah. So it's it's almost cheaper just to develop it yourself and keep control of the process, mm. as well as the business side of things. Managing your relationships, creating new ones with with other businesses that you want complete control of. You don't want to hire someone to do that because when they leave, mm. what do you do then? You know, as the CEO, I'm more likely than not going to be the first to be at this company and the last one to leave. Yeah. So that is the, you know, with me having all the relationships, mm. it's a huge benefit because the likelihood of me actually leaving is yeah, nothing. It's, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's my baby. Yeah. Uh, and what do you think shaped you to... To create this personality that you have, um, what kind of books or what kind of moments or who kind of introduced you to some of these things? There's there's a couple of moments in my life that you know I thought I used to think back to school and you know I would we didn't have a tuck shop at school so mm. my mom always put in like little snacks for me and I used to sell mm. sell it on the school grounds. Yeah, and then uh, also you, you know, sell your food snacks. Yeah, save the money to buy toys at games and that kind of thing. Um, I'm a huge PC gamer, yeah, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, that's where all the gaming side comes from. Um, and then also, like, doing the Minecraft thing in school, selling the maps, that kind of thing. Working, basically working in-game and then selling it to real-life people. Sure. Um, so aspects like that kind of shaped the... It gave me the belief that, you know, you've been doing this your whole life. Mm. You just haven't realized that you you are actually meant to be a businessman yeah. or a hustler. Um and then on top of that, I read a lot of books. Mm. Mostly, for me, I read a lot of psychological-based books, um, understanding people, understanding how they react, why they react like that, mm. things like that, as well as a lot of business books. So there's no one recipe for success. Sure. What I do is I'll read five to ten biographies, for example, yeah. and kind of overlap them and see which key parts featured in everyone's life, mm. you know, and identify you know maybe a set of characteristics or personality traits and you know work towards improving myself in that aspect basically um you know it's if you're not if you're not learning what's the what's the point you're dying exactly you know and the fact that i learned so much and that i want to learn so much and that i actually take advice from people allows allows me to do now at 22 what a lot of people fail to do by the time they're 45 50 you know so learning is probably your biggest asset your biggest tool that you can use to better yourself mm. and it doesn't have to you know learning doesn't mean going to get a degree sure. read a book go to the library I yeah. used to go to the library a lot mm. you know sit and read you know, just talk to someone and listen don't don't talk over them that kind of thing <laughs> uh, and big failures so far that crushed you a little bit um yeah like I said I lost a couple of I lost a couple of trades in the stock market. Um, the fact that I didn't finish my my degree, Mm-mm. it wasn't really a problem with me. Um, it was a problem with everyone else. Yes. Literally everyone in my family. Uh, up until the point where I started succeeding in other ways, everyone was like, oh my God, you know, you know you're, the, you're, you're the failure of the... Uh, 
you're the failure of the family, that kind of thing, yeah. just because I don't have a degree. Uh, that, kind of, that, that one actually hit hard because mm. I could see that people were actually disappointed in me. Um, on top of that, I classify the, the development company as a failure mm. purely because we never really reached our full potential. We were going at it for six or seven months and we were just happy with being mediocre and just doing a couple of websites and apps mm. instead of really pushing it and going forth with it. Um, but where it, was your state of mind then to actually grow the company? Or no, just it like, wasn't. Yeah. Uh, let's make some extra money yeah, here and yeah. there. You know, know. It wasn't really out of necessity that I started the company. It was more... And um, it was brute force. Yeah, so literally it, just... It, it, there was no investors. No, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, we um, bootstrapped it. Mm. And it was, it was just us. Cool, man. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about education. And th- there's still this endless debate now of where should one go to college or should not. Sure. I still find that most people do it without actual reasons of... It's usually because of pressure from family and, you know, or just the thing that they have to. Yeah. Uh, what are... Well, one, tri- one trick that you already mentioned in the beginning is that if you, if you don't have a degree, don't show CVs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what are the things that you one has to do to actually level up with everyone, anyone else? Because you've never been in college. Well, you don't have a degree. Yeah, I did college anything. for a while, but yeah. I, would, I never got a degree. Yeah. I've got a certificate. But you're pretty much just like anyone else who knows what they're doing, whether they went yeah. to university or not. What are the things that someone can do if they're doing it themselves without any degrees? Or what are just the important things that you'll find level up, just put you on the playing field with everyone else? Basically, what I can say is get, get a mentor. Mm. Don't just get one, get many. Mm. Uh, you know, mo- mainly people who are older than you, 10, 15 years, mm. get, get me. Ma- I've got five or six mentors mm. that I'll go sit and have coffee with once every two weeks or so and just mm. listen to them. Just get an idea of what they used to do, how they did it, that yeah. kind of thing. That's one way. On top of that, read books. Mm. That is your, reading is your best friend. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, like I said, I read psychological books because I understand how to handle Everyone, I understand mm. how to handle different personality types, different people. Very, it's it's very easy to me, mm. basically because I've read. You know, I could be a full-blown psychologist. Mm. You know, I can. Uh, <laughs> I, you have to get to that point where you're now reading the books that these kids are studying. Mm. The only difference is that you're not going to get a degree from it. Yeah. So, but then also when you adjust the way you you learn and study and grow yourself, mm. you're gonna have to adjust the way you approach getting a job mm. more likely than not you're making it more difficult for yourself um, going the route that I did yeah. because even though I'm CEO of two or three different companies mm. I've got a lot of different experience I'm an investor mm. my CV will not get me a job yeah <laughs> basically I know right so because I don't well, I think it depends to what depends to which company or oh yeah sure who is looking but they have to CV. be very like, open by yeah, it but to a normal PR person they would just be like oh what's, what the heck is exactly that? Yeah. so it's up to you as well you know I think everyone inside themselves know knows where they fit in whether they're actually an entrepreneur or a businessman mm. and that that's actually sorry let me just go back on that the one point that I want to make is that you have to be self-aware mm. I have a lot of flaws, but I work on them because I understand, okay, this is a weak spot for me. Yeah. Let me improve it. Um, you know, you have to be self-aware and you have to understand what you're bad at, mm. what you're good at. And if you can't fix it yourself, supplement your skills with someone else. Yeah. My programming skills are 
horrendous. Mm. But my business partner is a magician. Mm. With, with <laughs> when a it comes to programming. Exactly. So, but then again, he's very, he's very introverted and shy. Mm. And I can talk to anyone, you know. So we balance each other out. So you have to be self-aware and build on your weak points, mm. basically. And you've got to remember that skills aren't only what, what they offer in the degree. You know, it's skills are interpersonal skills as well. Yeah. If you're good with people, you can talk your way into any job. Yeah. I, I promise that's, you that's that. That's true. You know? I totally agree. <laughs> you, can, you can literally talk your way in. And if you understand that you're smart enough to learn it quickly, why not? Why not lie? Just talk your way into the job mm. and then learn how to do it later. But like, how do you come to a point to say that I'm self-aware? How do you know? Um, look, you, you're never going to see all your flaws. Yeah. A lot of people, you, you like to ignore certain things that you, mm. can't re- that you don't really want to change or that yeah. you can't change. But you come to a point where you look back at the last three months and you see a change in yourself that's improved certain aspects that you identified before as mm. a problem. That's when you know, okay, I'm, I'm now self-aware. I can look at myself you know, in black and white and say, okay, people don't like this about me. Mm. Is it a problem, really a problem for what I want to do? Yes, then change it. So if you can look back at yourself and say that, damn, I've actually come quite far those last three months just mm. by changing certain personality traits or aspects of what I do or how I talk to people, that's when you know, okay, mm. I'm reasonably self-aware. I, can underst- I understand what aspects of, of myself need work. Well, you know, in my work experience, what I've learned is that, which is, which is an advantage to self-learning, is that because I've never attended any kind of curriculum to learn something, yeah. whether it's programming or in some other things that I do, is that I do not have an end block, say, okay, now I've attended this, this is the end of it. Like, I'm constantly learning. Yeah. So even at work, when, in companies that I've worked for, I, could, I would still end up being pretty much maybe the most technical or the most knowledgeable in that field because I was constantly learning things whereas these guys would come and say oh I have a degree so you know yeah. and if there's a challenge they'll be like no uh, at my school we are never trained for this yeah, which exactly. is, that's not an excuse that I would ever give to anyone else because I'm always looking out for stuff okay what's happening and what can I learn from it and that, that, that applies to every part of it you know yes, I, sit yeah. on the, I sit on the board of a couple of companies mm. with men who are at at the stage in their life where they want to retire, where they're, you know, they're maybe 55 or so on. Mm. They've reason to be successful. Yeah. They've been doing this their whole lives, but I can still come up with solutions that kind of trump theirs and actually solve the problems, things like that. Mm. Um, and, it's, and it's not because I went to, to school and yeah. I was taught in a certain way. You know, I'm not saying don't go to school because sure. not everyone can be yeah. a CEO or not everyone can be an entrepreneur or a small business owner. Yeah. You know, not everyone can go that route. But or say have a, the discipline to actually yeah. do it on their own. But you hard. need to identify, you know, it doesn't have to be when you're 18. I didn't mm. know what I wanted to do until I was 20, mm. 21. Um, but you need to identify what you actually want to do in life. Yeah. Um, and obviously how you're going to monetize it if, you, if you're after that. Mm. But it's not just finishing school studying for mm. everyone. Yeah. You know, it's not about... It's not about picking a degree that you like. It's mm. about picking what you want to do for the rest of your life. Sure. You know? So at 22, what do you think you sacrifice now? Uh, if you compare to your average 22-year-old out there, your friend or whatever. 
I never got the real university experience. Mm-hmm. All my friends are still living it, and I hear the stories about you know showing up late to class or not going at all, or you yeah. know partying too much the night before, that kind of thing. I'm sacrificing very much the almost generic life of a 22 year old for what I want to do. Yeah. I still go out, um, but it would more likely be for a few beers. Mm. Um, you know, on a Thursday night to celebrate something that I did during work, basically. Okay, so that's how you celebrate? <laughs> yeah, just a couple of beers with my friends, my yeah. close friends, and that's it. That's all I need, you know. Um, but I do I do sacrifice some of the experiences. I don't even know what I sacrificed because I never lived it. <laughs> but, sure. you know, my brother, my brother's currently studying. Um, he's doing his honors mm. and then going on to do his master's at Stellenbosch University. And the stories that he tells me, you know, I thought... That would have been cool. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, so, it's that. That's what I sacrifice mm. so far. So you have lived in many places as well. Yes. And you oh, could you just share about why? Um, so basically, and where you have lived? Sure. So basically, my my father was in construction. Now, when we were younger, he used to work away a lot. Um, he was working in Africa, you know, Middle Africa, things like that, and he was away for a long time, periods of time. Mm. And my once we started getting older, obviously we wanted to see a bit more of him. We wanted to actually know our father, so we started moving around with him. So we've lived in places, we've lived in four different countries, um, namely USA, Ireland, South Africa, and Namibia. Mm. And um, it was largely due to the fact that we were following him for work, basically. Yeah. Um, he was in construction, so when his company had a new project, they would send him to a new place, right. essentially. And uh, we moved back to South Africa when I started high school. Actually, well, I was supposed to start high school, but I skipped. Mm. I skipped a grade. Um, my brother as well. So when we came back, I was we started grade nine here, or yeah, grade nine. And um, is, okay, yeah. my mom didn't want us to move again because high school is a difficult time. Mm. Um, it was it was difficult for Aiden, or my brother, and myself to fit in because we were. Pretty much, you know, he was he was a bookworm. Mm. I I at least tried, you know, I, I played some sports, that kind of thing on the side, mm. and um, but we we were different, you know. Um, so my mom wanted us to stick in one place and finish school so that we at least had the same group of friends, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, so that's why we moved so much, essentially, and that's why we ended up now back in Cape Town. And there's no plans for moving with dad anymore. No, no, no. Um, now you can pay on rent. Yeah, I'm, I'm independent. I've been independent for a while. My brother, um, like I said, he studies in Stellenbosch anyway, so he's, he's still very much student. And, um, and my, mom, my mom stays, well, wherever she wants. She usually goes to, to my dad or she stays with me in Cape Town when she's here or she visits my brother, that kind of thing. So she's just right. in between. Cool, man. Um, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I mean, there's... Obviously, more to every one of us. And I wouldn't have known if I just met you at um, at the grind and just say hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost my Irish accent, so <laughs> yeah, cool. And what kind of events or things that are out there for entrepreneurs that you would recommend in Cape Town or in South Africa in general? Hundred percent would recommend Startup Grind, mm-hmm. um, especially especially the Cape Town one. Mm-hmm. Um, the the nature of the people that go to the Cape Town one as opposed to other ones, you know, Bloemfontein is good as well. Mm. I, I realized because I've been to a few in Bloemfontein. Mm. Uh, so Cape Town and Bloom have a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people that possess the same mindset, basically. Okay. 
I haven't been to the Durban one, but mm. Startup Grind ideally as a platform is fantastic for entrepreneurs. Sure. And lastly, if you had, what are your plans to uh, for this company? Do you want to sell or do you want to own it? <sighs> you know, my, my wallet says I should sell, but my mind says, you know, I, I love the company. I don't want to. You know, yeah. I want to be involved for it as long as possible. Mm. Um, you know, because... It's different when it's your own idea. It's, yeah. it's like your child, you know. You, <laughs> you don't want to just let it go. Wake up one morning and think, "Oh, I don't have it's to not. go to the office today." Mm. Um, so that's that's one thing. I I haven't really decided yet. Um, that decision is probably going to be made somewhere down the line, but definitely not yet. Cool. And say you you get acquired by one of the big sharks here. What would <laughs> what would be the first thing that you do if you made tons of money out of it I really okay so what would you, actually what would you do with your money uh, there's, there's two things I really want to do so my brother studies biotechnology mm. and m- microbiology sorry mm. so I, ideally I'd like to open a biotechnology firm with him mm. and um, you know we, we've really thought about it quite a long time I read all of his textbooks so mm. I understand some of his work as well, some of it um, so we want to use a few creative biological means to solve a lot of today's problems mm. in terms of the environment. So that would definitely be one of those. I would take all the money if I needed to and just mm. invest straight into that. Right. Um, and then on the other side, I'd like to create a VC company, mm. not, but not a, not a generic one. It's almost like a VC and an incubator, mm. accelerator all in one. You know, you, you're under one roof with all the startups you've invested in. Yeah. You're there for guidance. You're helping these people as opposed to just giving the money and say, okay, you know, contact me when you've reached this goal or yeah. this goal, you know, and it's, it's, I want to actually start kickstart seed funding in South Africa because one of the things that you don't really get is that initial, that angel funding, oh, yeah. you know, that, that beginning, you know, they, they, they give so little and take so much from mm. your company if they invest in the beginning. Yeah. I want to invest in ideas and people as I meet them. I don't want to say, okay, show me a year's worth of revenue. Mm. Because the thing is, someone else gave that opportunity to me, and uh, so far I'm paying it back to them. Sure. You know, so I'd ideally like to do that for someone else once I'm in the position to do so. Yeah, because it's so unfair, you know, to ask if you if somebody had to ask you that you're like 21 or 20, say, okay, where is your all these parameters that exactly. VCs are always checking for? Because that's the same mindset as. Um, you know that rigid old school mindset that yeah. you know it's yeah. it's an old model it's outdated so. people these days have great ideas they just mm. don't really have in, especially in South Africa a lot of people don't have the resources to do it mm. I know I didn't have it on my own you know I couldn't have done it on my own yeah. someone else gave me that chance so ideally I'd like to give that chance to, to the next person or next 10 people next 100 people as many as I can Yeah. so how can people find you or can they download uh, connect me now and in, in what areas is it worldwide um, so we will be we will be launching it worldwide mm. iOS is due to be out in the next two to three weeks right. Android is currently live they can download it there we've got a website www.connectme.com um, connect me is spelled K-N-E-K-T-M-E mm. so um, you know you can go to the website and contact us via the email alternatively you know they can probably get in contact with me yeah um but I'll, I'll give you my card and then you can just put the details. Sure. And how do you pronounce the name? Carl. Yeah, the full name. Just oh, so Carl Visaki. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, man. It was nice chatting to you. Oh, is there anything else you want to chat? Um, no, that's it. Actually. Cool. cool. <laughs> right. Thanks, man.
And that was my conversation with Carl. I hope you found it helpful. And if there's anything you would like to see, which was mentioned on the podcast, make sure you check out the show notes. I posted everything in there. And the Graph podcast comes out each and every week. So the best way to keep in touch is to subscribe with your uh, podcast app or uh, iTunes, or you can just subscribe from the website, www.gradejabesi.com. And I'm also available on social media, which I'm active these days uh, with all the uh, Instagram and Snapchat stories and Facebook. I'm always posting some interesting stuff. Uh, so you can follow me on all the social networks. I'm, I'm sure if you search Gray Jabesi, you should be... <clears throat> Sorry about that. You should be able to find me. And with this raspy voice, I think I shouldn't keep any longer. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.